Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Addie and Dustin Teague from Relish coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Fulmer, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, Thanks for having me. Great day outside. Looking forward to this. Thanks for being here. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Ben Berg has revealed two new restaurants for the Autry Park mixed-use development. That is the project currently under construction at the corner of Allen Parkway and Shepherd. They are Turner's Cut, an ultra-luxurious steakhouse, and Annabelle's, an all-day brasserie with a view of Buffalo Bayou. Now, of course, we know Ben Berg. He is the owner of Berg Hospitality, which means B&B Butchers, BB Lemon, the Annie Cafe, and Turner's. And is, is it BB Italia? Isn't that coming back too? Theoretically, yeah. So BB Italia closed earlier this year in its original right. space on Memorial Drive. And they keep saying they're looking for a new place for it, but they haven't announced it yet. So Okay, got it. Right. They also just this week are opening Trattoria Sofia in the former Presidio space on 11th Street. And then they have a unnamed uh, live fire concept that's coming to a mixed use development in Timbergrove. So a lot going on for Ben Berg. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, is this like is this like a strike while the iron is hot situation or is this like how can anybody do this many things at the same time kind of situation? Well, we've seen restaurant groups that went from one restaurant to like five, you know, four to six, you know, in, in the span of less than a year. And we saw what happened with that. Um, but Ben is, you know, he's an experienced restaurateur. Uh, B&B has had great success. You know, the rollouts at, you know, Turner's, you know, taking over Cafe Annie. I mean, he, the guy knows what he's doing and he's got a really good team there. So I don't see this as being, you know, too much. I, I, I think they'll, you know, at least I hope they would roll it out in a, in a manner that they can all handle it. But as far as like, you know, the Turner's cut and Annabelle's going into that area. I mean, that, I mean, that whole area is, is nothing but money. And, you know, the old adage is that if you've got a beautiful view or a beautiful location, the food is usually going to be terrible. Um, but, there's not a whole lot on Buffalo Bayou, as we know. It's, I mean, it is a park, so they're, they're very limited. But that could be a beautiful space. And, you know, he, the guy knows how to put out great food and, as well as great service. So I have nothing but high hopes for it. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously very intrigued about Turner's Cut, which they sort of describe as having premium American beef and Japanese beef. You know, I, I like. Turner's the, you know, sort of that intimate supper club, you know, obviously it's a very lavish decor. It's got all those, you know, all the dishes have these table side touches. It's, it's obviously a, a very expensive restaurant, but, but a restaurant that really makes you feel cared for and gives a lot of value, I would say. And so, you know, I'll be curious to see how they build on that reputation in, in a larger space and in a steakhouse context, not that, not that there aren't steakhouses that serve, you know, Japanese beef or American Wagyu or this or that, but that, 
you know, that like extra level up in terms of the, the service and the decor and the experience. I think that that's really interesting. I think. Yeah. Well, I think the challenge is like Turner's has like what, 12 tables, you know? Uh, I mean, it's, they, they, it's, it's meant to be small and the staff, you know, handles it well. Like my curiosity is, okay. So he's not going to bring a B and B there, which is already, you know, what I would consider a fairly high end steakhouse. So if it's, if it's going above that, how many tables, how many covers are we talking about? And, and, you know, if, if you're going to price it accordingly, then you've got to have a big staff to, for people to feel like, as you say, you know, for it to be a value driven, you know, experience which is problematic, you know, when you get to that high level of expense, you know, you do get the person who kind of walks in there with their arms folded going, okay, impress me, you know, or they're always looking for a chink in the armor. So uh, it'll be a, it's a tall order. So I'm curious uh, to see how they, uh, how they execute. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I also had the thought that there are a couple of other steakhouses like coming to that, immediate area right which is, you know chris shepherd is moving georgia james to um regent square which is basically under construction next to where autry park is and then michael sambrooks is opening and iron uh at one allen parkway essentially in the in the old uh in the in a building on on allen parkway as well so you know you go from an area that that doesn't have a lot of restaurant density to a restaurant to an area that's going to have a lot a lot more restaurant density. I mean, three high end steakhouses, and we're talking high end, uh, all within. I mean, you could practically say really within walking distance. Um, that's that is a that is the most curious development of all. I think. I mean, when downtown, when I when I look back at like what downtown was when they didn't really have any kind of high-end steakhouse, Vic and Anthony's came in and then you had Morton's and then that it, it all started to pro- proliferate, but they're all like, there's hotels, there's the convention center. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a, you know, lot, large visiting population there for business. Um, and it's a much bigger area. So they've all kind of survived pretty well. And in many cases, you know, thrived. Uh, but this is kind of a different, you know, a horse of a different color, as they say, uh, because it's based on the residential area, which is, of course, I mean, it's River Oaks, it's Montrose. So Montrose has gotten to the point where the median houses are pushing seven figures now. Um, but, you know, can they, they'll have to be destination worthy because, I mean, all those people aren't going to want to go to a steakhouse every week. Right? I would think so, you know, and and so then how do you balance that, like, non-steakhouse offering or, or maybe you build it around like a, a bar scene you know a little bit of that steak 48 vibe where you can have that you know you can you can obviously you can come and have a great steak and the full experience or you could come and kind of have cocktails at the bar and maybe a couple of small plates and and not commit to the full meal you know i i don't know how this is all going to shake out obviously but but i am curious to see because you know in the span of you know, six months or something, these restaurants are all going to open and be um, competing with each other. Yeah. It's not just three high-end restaurants. It's three high-end steakhouses. I mean, it's very, you know, it's very focused. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it will be uh, a competitive atmosphere to be sure. Absolutely. All right. Let us move on to topic number two, Esquire magazine, 
named their 40 best new restaurants in America. Two Houston restaurants are on the list. They are March, the Mediterranean-inspired fine dining tasting menu restaurant from the Goodnight Hospitality folks, and Degust, the Mexican and Spanish-inspired tasting menu restaurant originally opened by Brandon Silva and now under the direction of his former sous chefs. Michael, I thought the Esquire article was interesting in the sense that it, one of its, one of the things that they noted as a trend was that tasting menus are making a comeback, but they're like more engaging and less stuffy than they used to be. So let me, let me throw it to you. What do you think of the Esquire list and, and the inclusion of these two Houston restaurants on it? Um, well, the, the list is, uh, they've been doing it for a while. Esquire has a good reputation there. This isn't just like a, a magazine that kind of throws a list together and maybe gets an editor. It's like they have, they've always hired good food writers and had strong editors. Uh, and so the list is, I, I give, you know, I, I'm, I'm throwing legitimacy at it. Um, so it's an exciting list. I mean, it's interesting when you look at the geography of it is, you know, you see more Oakland now than less San Francisco. And that, that speaks directly to just the price of real estate in San Francisco. It's insane. Just like you'll see kind of more, usually see you're starting to see more Brooklyn than you are Manhattan. Um, I, I was, you know, but it's not all high end. I was, I, I was glad to see horn barbecue uh, from uh, Oakland Matt Horn, uh, who started off in, in doing pop-ups and doing uh, farmer's markets, and he's going brick and mortar, and, and, and he's having his moment in the sun. You know, I almost compare it to, like, what's happened to Blood Brothers their first year. He's, you know, he's gotten all this national attention, and, and it's well-deserved, so I'm, I'm happy to see that. Um, I actually just got back from D.C., and I almost went to Oyster Oyster in, in D.C., but I ended up going to a different oyster place, as it would be. Um, some of the places uh, are, are super high end um, and that tasting menu is part of that experience. Um, what's the Angie Mars uh, new place? Uh, you know, she moved from Beatrice in uh, it's the French. Yeah. One. La Troye Chaveau. Yeah. La Troye Chaveau. I mean, she, it's like, she's, this is like, clearly she's going for the Michelin star. There's like, there's no, you know, there's no, curtain here or fog to like she's just she's going all in um and it, by all accounts by looking at it i mean i follow both the restaurant and her her instagram account it looks like she's pulling it off i mean it looks really really elegant and that's great for downtown manhattan um you know we've seen that trend over the last really decade or so of people wanting to be in a more casual like they don't want to have to dress up all the time or, or always have put it on a tie and a jacket. Um, you know, it's good to have, we still have places like Canlis in Seattle, which requires the jacket. I mean, I think it's great that we still have that, but you know, you go to Austin, like when was the last time you saw someone even wearing a tie in a restaurant in Austin, you know, and, I think it's and, illegal actually. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think that's allowed. Right. Right. And then California, I don't think they've worn ties in a couple of decades yet. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the, thing there um but people still want like the elevated experience uh so you know they don't need to necessarily have waiters in jackets you know or like a three-team tuxedo thing and wear it all you know it doesn't have to be this like kind of if you will a stuffy experience you could still have people you know in a more relaxed fashionable vibe as well as environment but you can still like 
you can still have like super high end food, like, you know, with a high food cost, you know, with really uh, well compensated talent, at least you hope. Um, and putting out, you know, sometimes what I call high wire food. Um, I- well, and, and, I, and I think that's a, I think you're, you're really onto something with that, because I, I think especially after, you know, a period away from restaurants, when when more people stayed home, when they weren't dining out for pandemic reasons or, you know, financial reasons or whatever, that, that when we go out, we really want something memorable. You know, it, it, it can't just be something we can make at home or, or something we could get, you know, delivered. It really has to be special. And so we've seen, you know, Deguste and March and Hidden Omakase. And you and I went to Neo, which is another tasting menu, you know, and we've talked about uh, Reiki Na. And I just went to Soto Sushi, which has a big sushi counter and really focuses on that omakase experience. And, and so forward. it was delicious. Uh, and we'll talk about that soon, I suspect, right. here on another episode. But, uh, but you know, if I'm going to spend a lot of money on a meal, right? Like, and, you know, six courses at March is $175 uh, plus tax tip and wine, you know, um, and I think Deguste is about 140, 150 for an eight course menu. It, you know, you, you want it to be worth it. And so, yeah, you indulge this more creative expression. Um, like you said, this high wire dining where, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get, but you're optimistic that it'll be something you've never had before. And that's what makes it worth it. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and there's kind of two ways of going at that one. You can either have that kind of just the luxury item, like the, you know, the high end Ocetra caviar or, you know, white truffles or, you know, and, or it could be like what you're having at Degoose where you're having all these different influences and techniques coming to bear. But ultimately, it's not about giving you a dog and pony show. It is about having a great food. But there is that wow factor with presentation. Uh, you know, and March kind of falls in somewhere in between that. Um, you know, like per- me speaking personally on a tasting menu, I, I don't get upset, especially if it's like a nine or 12 course or something or something more, if I have a course that doesn't really hit it. Because I'm part of what I'm paying for is the ambition. I want them. I want them to kind of push the, push the boundaries of it. But if you're dealing with like a four or five course, you know, uh, you kind of expect it to be everything to be kind of on. Uh, you know, and at March, they, I mean, they, they do so much R and D. They take the time off. They travel. I mean, it's almost like like they're really doing all the prep that they possibly can to really kind of have this great experience uh and at the same time keep it fresh you know a couple times a year by changing uh and that's admirable you know most places of course can cannot afford to do anything like that um so well, i was hard go ahead and, and and what's so so interesting about march is that it, it's such a complete experience right you start in the lounge with some little snacks you know you go into that room everything is bespoke right the furniture you know, the artwork is uh, very high end, you know, very fine plateware, glassware, extensive wine list. And then, you know, back in the lounge after the meal for, 
for a last round of little desserts, maybe one last cocktail, but, but that, you know, you don't, it's not one of these where you feel like they're trying to turn tables, right? Like it's, you're very focused on, you know, just attending to your needs and your desires and, and leaving you feeling like you've had a a very special experience. Yeah. That's, that's understood because they have set times for it. Like I guess they have two seatings, you know, and you know, March is the complete package. It, it is the like you know when you we use that term fine dining, and and that's there's a wide swath on how you interpret that sometimes, and but March really is that fine dining experience. Like the 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 service there is so professional. It's so it's reserved, but it's never like stuffy. It's like they're not. I've been to some high end places where you know like they're almost afraid to to bring their voice up a little bit, you know, or or to say anything casual or to use, you know, uh, it, but in this case, it's just like, you know, it, it's just so refined, you know, and it's so comfortable and that's, that's really difficult. You know, that's really difficult. Uh, uh, and June and her whole staff get, you know, hats off on that. They, uh, like, I think they've, they've hit that and that's uh, incredible. Yeah. And just one last thought on this, and then we can move on. But, but I do like that Esquire is recognizing you know, a different set of names than the, than the names we all know. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a Chris Shepard place. It's not a just a you place, not that they, or a Hugo Ortega place, not that they haven't achieved great things and are worthy of recognition, but that, you know, this idea that the Houston scene is really fertile and is continuing to bring forth talent. That's also worthy of this kind of national recognition. I, I just think that's really, really nice for, uh, for Javier Becerra, Rico Mankins at Deguste, and also for Felipe Riccio at uh, March. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, you know, it, to me, it's kind of like, this is this, you could call this the to go, this is like your to-do list. Like these are the new places that you need to check out, uh, you know, uh, your bucket list, if you will. Helen has been on my list, you know, ever since that they opened the, the place in Birmingham. It's really, uh, I've heard nothing but incredible things about that. And I, I was heartened to see them, make the list, you know, a couple of new places in New Orleans, like the dining scene in New Orleans is just, it is just so, it's just like, to me, New Orleans is one of the great restaurant cities. It's like the culture there is so ubiquitous, you know, it's like everyone there is like embraces the food culture, whether they cook or they eat or they're just part of it. And to see, you know, new places continue to make the list is really exciting. You know, that's just a a great town to go and, and eat. And then topic number three, just briefly, only because this was a very successful story on the website. I do want to note that Kirby Ice House has announced their third location will be in the Woodlands. They have uh, partnered with the Howard Hughes Corp on a four-acre property right near uh, the Woodlands Pavilion. And and look, Kirby Ice House has been hugely successful. That you know patio bar on steroids. Uh, this will be no exception. Ten thousand square feet indoors. I think an 18,000 square foot patio outdoors with games and, you know, they'll have an indoor outdoor bar. They'll have a hundred taps. They'll have all of the things that make Kirby ice house, Kirby ice house. Uh, Fulmer, I don't, I don't know if you want to chime in on this, but uh, certainly just the success of this concept is uh, pretty impressive. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not just kind of like a dude bar, a dude bro bar, and the women who like dude bros. You know, it's they they attach they, they attract a, a, a good crowd of 
you know, you'll see people anywhere from their 40s and 50s down to their 20s. And everyone seems to be having a really good time. They've really kind of kind of hit the bullseye on this. And you know, I think they're just going to crush it up there in the woodlands. I really do. You know, live music is now coming back. And I, speaking personally, I've been to a couple of shows now over the last few months. And when you go now, it's like people are so happy to be there, uh, you know, and they're willing to spend the money on the tickets if they're a little bit higher now. And they want to go eat. They want to go drink before and after. You know, that's just a great experience. So I think this is really good timing for them. You know, like hopefully by next summer, we'll see more relaxation on um, on what the pandemic has given us. And um, I think we'll hopefully see a, a full schedule from the Woodlands, uh, from the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion. And so their timing is fantastic. So uh, sometimes we, we step back and we say, oh, this is a no brainer. Uh, they're going to crush it, but you know, they'll have to execute. There's many things that can go wrong, but this is something I would, you know, if you asked me to invest in it, I would say absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And, and, you know, not that I'm like intimately familiar with the, the life in the woodlands, but it doesn't seem to me that there's sort of an obvious place to go for, you know, a couple of drinks before a concert or maybe to wait out the traffic after a concert. And, and this will be that place like very emphatically. So, yeah. And so just for that, I think it's a great idea. And of course, you know, there's so much going on in the woodlands and so many people that live up there that, you know, even without the pavilion, I think it would be, it'll be a smash hit for them. But so, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything else to add, but uh, did want to note that an, an exciting addition and, and congrats to the, the whole Kirby Icehouse team on all their success. All right, former, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Today's show is sponsored by Balconis Distilling. Balconis makes grain-to-glass whiskeys at their distillery in Waco. I could talk about all the awards they've won, or that they're one of the pioneers of the growing American single malt movement. Instead, I want to talk about flavor, specifically of their flagship Texas One single malt. Pour a dram, and you'll get aromas of toffee and overripe fruit. Take a sip and savor the silky texture and flavors like lightly toasted bread with butter and marmalade. The finish offers more of those coffee toffee notes with wood flavors that round it all out. Personally, I drink my whiskey neat, but you're welcome to try it with a little water or even in any classic whiskey cocktail. Look for Balconis in stores, bars, and restaurants across Texas. Try it. I think you'll like it. Michael, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about a couple of steakhouses downtown. Let's start with The Palm, recently relocated from Briar Grove to downtown. You and I had an opportunity to sample the new menu created by executive concept chef Michael Corey, who is a very veteran chef. He worked in New York for the Mario Batali organization. He spent a lot of time creating uh, high-end restaurants and airports. He's worked at casinos. He's done he's done a lot. And and you know, as he's sort of serving us uh, steaks and pasta, I looked at the guy and I'm like, "You're really like overqualified to be standing here in front of me for this." But, but <laughs> He was very he was very gracious, and and I think it's an interesting refresh for a brand that's uh, maybe gotten a little bit long in the tooth. Yeah, I don't think there's a maybe at all on that. I think it has. You know, they they really kind of play to the older crowd, and 
the only way that kind of that keeps you going is you've got to bring the next generation into that. And, uh, you know, the, the next generation is they have different desires and needs as far as how, when they dine out. Um, and the palm, you know, is, is, is it, it's almost like the definition of old school and seeing it in the new space, which was beautiful. Uh, and the food was, I gotta say, I was really surprised at how good it was. I mean, I expect a certain level at a, at a steakhouse, you know, a steakhouse experience, but there's certain dishes that I, I've seen get phoned in. And I'd like to point out particularly the bolognese that we had. Um, I think that was with the tagliatelle pasta. It, it could be the best bolognese I've ever had. I mean, it was just that good. Uh, for something that, you know, the, the great thing about Italian food is that there's a great simplicity to it. You know, you're usually dealing with less than 10 or eight ingredients and the plate is never looking overly busy. And the bolognese is that that's just that simple pasta. And man, it was just it's like I couldn't get enough of it. It was just fantastic. It, it, it just represented all this warmth and quality. Uh, and you could taste the like the freshness of all the ingredients. Um you could see like, like just in that dish alone, the chef's pedigree, you know, coming from Batali, you know, overseeing Lupa and Babo, which I've dined out several times. I mean, he brought it all to bear and like he did, nothing was getting phoned in there. No. And I, I, just as we were talking to the guy and, you know, talking about Carbone, the, you know, the Italian restaurant in New York, that's, that's really kind of, reinvigorated Italian-American food and, you know, now has a location in Vegas and Miami and it's coming soon to Dallas. And, and he looks at us and, and he goes, oh yeah, I gave Mario Carbone his first kitchen job. Yes. Like, it's like, like freaking bonkers. No. So of course, so, so yes, I, I agree with you. And, and we had this, you know, unbelievably decadent uh, breaded stuffed veal chop uh, and, and some other kind of, you know, more modern, you know, sort of steakhouse kind of staples, right? A, you know, seared octopus and uh, octopus tuna tartare and stuff. Yeah. And it was all really solid. And, and yeah, you know, I, I remember having a conversation a few years back with whatever PR firm was representing the Palm pre-Landry's takeover. And the, the woman said something like, well, you know, you know, would you say it's the best steakhouse in, in Houston? And I said, no, you know, like it's, you know, give me Pappas Brothers, give me, you know, Georgia James or Doris Metropolitan or whatever. And she goes, well, well, what would you say that that they need to do differently to, to be competitive? And, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and I was like, well, I, everything, you know, and, and and now I feel like in this new space with where they've kind of de-emphasized the caricatures with the new chef. And, and some smart new additions to the menu, like they've given it a real identity. And, and so now it is a, a competitive, to, you know, a compelling alternative to all of the other steakhouses downtown, whether that's, you know, Vic and Anthony's or, or Tora Tora that just opened, you know, at least like, like, what are you going there for? Well, I, I know that if I go there, I can get that really great pasta bolognese, you know, clam casino, maybe that veal chop, or I can just get, you know, and, and a really smart, like Italian oriented wine list, or I can just get, you know, whatever, you know, prime ribeye, like everybody else, but at least 
at least it has something that sets itself apart. Yeah, and it's, it's set up really well. They've got uh, several PDRs that can either host like a business meeting or like a celebratory event. You can have this that, that small room behind the bar. I think that was like an eight, maybe a 10 top. But then there's some bigger rooms also. You know, it's uh, the interior design on it was impressive also. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to fit in quite well where they are, uh, especially given their locale to, uh, you know, the Hilton and to the convention center and all that's going on down there. And speaking to contemporary times of like, you know, what all restaurants are dealing with now, which is staffing issues. Um, you know, as their business thrives, they can, they can deal with that. But right now they like, they can, they can, they can, they don't have to be packed to look like they're not going to look empty because of all these different rooms and how they seat people, uh, which is, you know, I, I hope works well for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, uh, just to sort of wrap this up, you and I did have uh, a dinner recently at Vic and Anthony's, uh, which is kind of the classic downtown steakhouse. Uh, you know, our, the occasion was, uh, it was Michael, Chef Michael O'Connor's last night. He has moved on to a new job at Better Luck Tomorrow. Um, but so, you know, we've, we've been to a few steakhouses here recently, right? We went to Georgia James Tavern, which is not a steakhouse, but has steak. Uh, we'd just been to the Palm. We've been to Gatsby's earlier this year. Uh, so let me just ask you, like, what do you think? Does, is Vic and Anthony's, does it still hold up? Is it still competitive with the best steakhouses in Houston? Yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, it, it, they have the best crab cake in town. And that that's just like, you know, certainly in any conversation, you'd have to include it in the top two or three. Um, you know, the service was was well done and polished. But I mean, the steak was delicious. Like what we had was was excellent, uh, you know, and there's actually, I think everything we had, I really enjoyed. Uh, and so I think that, I think they're just fine. You know, their, their proximity to the ballpark, the amount of regulars that they have there, the, you know, the well entrenched name uh, and reputation. Um, you know, I always hope to see some, you know, steakhouses, you know, move forward, you know, into more progressive, you know, pricing on the wine list, at least like, put some values on there. I realize that you have this almost like sort of phone book um, wine list. So, but if you've got like 15, 20, you know, domestic Chardonnays, like put one on there, that's not necessarily priced three, you know, 250 to 300% up. Like just do maybe a hundred percent right up. Like put one value on there that wine people will know. It, it just, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see more of a trend of that. I've seen it somewhat, you know, but you know, hope springs eternal. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I crab cake of course was delicious and and they sent us the quail appetizer, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And of course, you know, I thought, you know, I, I thought the lamb chops we ordered were cooked nicely. I thought the, the ribeye was particularly delicious strip, maybe a, a touch over, but, but seasoned yeah. well. Um, and of course the sides, you know, the mushrooms, the, the potatoes of gratin, you know, the cream spinach, all that stuff I thought was really first rate. And, and, you know, as much as I do like these kind of lighter, fresher, newer steakhouse concepts, like, like sometimes I just want like a wedge salad and a ribeye and, and Vic and Anthony's does that as well as anybody. I concur. All right. 
Michael, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Have a good day. Thank you. And I will be right back with Addie and Dustin Teague from Relish. I am joined this week by the owners of Relish Restaurant and Bar. Let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Addie Teague, welcome to the show. Hello, happy to be here. Chef Dustin Teague, welcome to you. Ah, thank you. Happy to be here. So usually I I start with uh, people's careers, but whenever I have a married couple on the show, I always like to start with... uh, with y'all. So do you mind telling me a little bit about how you sort of met and decided to get into business together? Sure. So we have actually known each other for a while, um, basically since high school, really. Um, and kind of friends throughout then and through college times. And, um, we connected when I moved back to Houston after living in New York for a while. And I had the idea to open Relish Fine Foods, um, which was our first restaurant baby, I guess you could say. And um, I was talking to Dustin about it and he was working at a fair extraordinaire at the time. And um, I needed a chef and he seemed like a great fit. And the rest is history, I guess you could say. <laughs> you needed a chef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, um, you know, just realized that we were more than just work, work partners, I guess, life partners. So, um, yeah, been at it ever since. I mean, nominally, the, the excuse for having you guys on is that it's been five years of Relish Restaurant and Bar, your location on Westheimer. But, but as you said, you had Relish Fine Foods on San Felipe. I, I guess maybe that's a, a good starting point is, is to sort of talk about the evolution of Relish Fine Foods into Relish Restaurant and, and what sort of inspired you to, to make the leap. Yeah, well, um, we were at Fine Foods there. We, we were kind of limited. Um, I don't know if you remember in what we could offer on site we uh, had a stipulation in our lease. We weren't really supposed to have dine-in, um, but dine-in requests were extremely popular. I mean, we did a lot of off-site catering and things like that as well, which was great, but um, we had a lot of demand. We, people wanted to sit and eat. Um, I mean, we just had sandwiches and deli kind of items, but after about five years there, I think the landlord was ready for us to go and um, he was tired of hearing from the, the other, other tenants, um, you know, about us being in that space. So um, <laughs> he was a great, great guy that um, yeah, he let did. us out of our lease. And, um, yes, he did. Yeah, he very nicely asked us to, you know, find <laughs> another space. And um, we, we really didn't want to redo Relish again. We knew we wanted to jump into the restaurant realm of things. Um, and so when we knew we had to leave, uh, we had to make our decision on whether we bring Relish Fine Foods here or turn it into a restaurant and bar. Um, and uh, we're thankful we did so. Yeah, um, it was, a, you know, I think, like I said, it was, we had a lot of requests for it and it was kind of, we had evolved since then. And I think um, we found that there was still a need in the, in the neighborhood for a, a classic American neighborhood, 
eatery. And so um, we felt like we could fit that, that hole. And, and so five years ago, we opened up Relish, Fine, or Relish Restaurant Bar and, um, and yeah, we're very happy we did. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, you guys know that I'm a fan. You, you see me eating there, um, certainly from time to time. Dustin, maybe sort of talk about like pulling that menu together because, you know, classic American. I mean, it, 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 it gives you so many choices, but also you have to sort of like be responsive to what your diners want. So, so maybe kind of what have you learned over, over five years, and and what has sort of defined it for you. Well, you know, we, we talk classic American, and like you said, it allows you to um, really touch on so, so many different drops of food and, you know, whether it's the East Coast, the West Coast, whether it's down here in the South, um, you know, and whether it's base cuisines, uh, whether it's French, Italian, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much that uh, it allows us to do. And that, that's kind of where we were at with Relish Fine Foods. We knew, I knew I could cook more food and we knew we wanted to put a different um, you know, more elevated uh, piece of food on a plate. So our goal uh, was to really take things that we enjoy uh, and have enjoyed, um, you know, eating or cooking or uh, what inspired us our entire culinary career. And a lot of that was uh, what you see on the menu today. Um, I'm a self-trained guy. I started in the Italian world and um, really focused on French cuisine and training myself in the basics. And then ultimately, um, you know, we wanted to put that classic American twist on, um, you know, ingredients that I think we all see daily in the same restaurants. And um, we, we, you know, we took the approach of um, uncomplicating things and really just focusing on those classic flavors that we've, you know, enjoyed eating and cooking our entire life. Um, you know, and it was, it was translated to the plate uh, pretty easily for us. We were, this, this is our comfort zone. This is something that we've done um, quite a bit in the past, even Addie being French trained in New York at, um, you know, the culinary school she went to a lot of, you know, a lot of that transferred over into the American side and what we wanted to kind of put on a plate. Um, I think like one of our biggest things, like Dustin said, we always like to keep food simple, let the ingredients shine. And also, I mean, um, I think we have an offer or something for everybody, whether you're coming out to dinner with a date and you want to have a nice steak or, you know, um, something a little nicer, or you're coming with your family and we have a pasta dish that your kids can enjoy. I mean, we really wanted to have this be a restaurant for everybody. Um, that's something I've always talked about and I've learned in business too. I mean, we wanted to be recession proof. We wanted to be here for everybody all the time. Um, I think being a neighborhood restaurant, that's important. So um, we love and respect a lot of the restaurants that do some of more kind of out there um, contest the boundaries a little bit, but we we're good and comfortable kind of um, keeping it classic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are, there are definitely nights when I, I want to go out for the, the avant-garde, you know, right. menu. And then there are nights when I want, you know, spaghetti with shrimp and spicy tomato sauce, right? Like, or fried chicken. And, and on those nights, there you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we knew that about ourselves, you know, going into this, we, we, we weren't going to get out of our comfort zone. We were going to cook exactly what we knew we could do well. Mm -hmm. um, and well, like we she enjoy. said, exactly what we enjoy and 
um, you know, let others, you know, um, get out of the box as much as they choose to. And uh, we do so every now and then. We've got some flavors that, you know, are unique and, right. you know, a little different, um, you know, the classic world of American cuisine. But um, we, we like to cook what makes us feel comfortable and it, um, it's, it's working. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Addy, how would you say the restaurant has sort of evolved from your original conception over five years? Like, what have you, what have you learned about what, what works for relish and, and maybe what doesn't work? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I think it just took a little time for us to, uh, kind of get our groove. I mean, we, we were kind of hit with some hardships at the beginning with, um, we had some street construction and, there was uh, Harvey, there was the free you know, pandemic, free, you know, the, every year it was kind of something and um, it kind of caused us to like pivot. And I feel like after this year, um, after 2020, I feel like we really found our stride. Um, we, more than ever, I feel like we've got a great team. That's one thing, you can't do it alone. I mean, we've got great staff, um, our food's consistent. I feel like, you know, that's, easier said than done. Um, and I feel like we're finally just in a place where we're hitting all of our kind of marks. Um, and, you know, being the fifth year and being after the last year to say that it's our best year yet, is just, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. Dustin, talk a little bit more about getting through this last year and, and kind of what you learned during the pandemic. So one, we we learned um, the, what great group of people we had on our team. Um, we heard so many horror stories of, you know, the, the owners fending for a business while I hate to say it, there were a few people on the couch. Um, our, our, our guys, uh, the moment that this uh, took place, there wasn't a person out there that didn't step up and say, Hey, what do we all have to do to get through this? And, uh, I think we truly learned that we had a family here. It wasn't, you know, employees that we just pay on a daily basis or, you know, a biweekly basis. This was, all right, you know, a few dozen guys um, truly wanting and um, working as hard as they could to help us keep this place going. So we, we, we learned that, um, you know, we were resilient. We had, a, we had a crew that was ready to fight this with us. Um, you know, and we, we learned that once again, pivoting and, uh, listening to the needs of, um, you know, the customer and what was selling at the time and, you know, what, what was really going to get us through the pandemic. Um, that was, they, it was our family that got us through that. Um, and our, and our, and our loyal <clears throat> customers. I mean, and that was right. I mean, people kind of, their needs changed. Like it was the family style to go. I mean, we did all sorts of things as, as people's, I would always say to you, you have to kind of evolve with the times and, and, even now, I mean, we did a, a little rebrand, like you, you can't stay while we're classic and want to keep simple. We got to kind of keep things moving, um, you know, uh, keep it fresh. And I think that we were able to do that through the pandemic, not easily. I mean, I never want to do only to go again. That was, <laughs> it was, we, we called it the to go wars were, um, you know, how much could you throw in a box on a nightly basis and get out the door and that, mm. that, we, we were thankful and we said it moving into this, we were going to find out if our customer and our clientele wanted us to be here. And um, 
I, I, I can remember the first night we did uh, to go and the line of cars and, you know, everybody, I mean, our parking lot was full of us running outside and handing it through a window. So uh, we, we did, we learned a lot uh, from our guests, from our employee, uh, from each other. Um, it, we, we, we learned quite a few different uh, things during the pandemic. And I think the most important part was, yeah, we, we, we've got a family, we've got a good crew. Um, stay true to yourself. Yeah. And stay true to what we're doing. We weren't, um, we weren't too good to do to go or, um, you know, it, it was what, whatever we have to do to make this survive, we'll do. Uh, and having a good crew on our side to do so, um, you know, right there beside us was, was great. Um, they, 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 they made it happen. And we, 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 we value our employee more, um, more and more every day. And we tell people all the time, they're our biggest um, asset. We invest into them. We take good care of them. Uh, and they took care of us during this, uh, pandemic and they stuck with us. They didn't abandon us. They didn't, you know, a lot of people use this as a big long vacation for the industry. And, um, yeah, I asked my guys not to do so. And they all looked me in the eye and stuck around and helped us push through this. So, um, yeah, we found out we had a lot of good guys on our team and we wouldn't be here without them. So, you know, now that we're sort of through all that and, and people are dining in more regularly, I mean, what's it been like the past few months? Cause my, I mean, my sense just from sort of looking on reservation websites and, and even just driving around a little bit is that everybody's just been super busy. So busy. We have never been busier um, <laughs> as a restaurant, even 2019, the year before the pandemic, being a successful year for us in year three. Um, we, we, we're on year five and it's like we never skipped year four in growth. We've continuously grow, grown, excuse me, for um all five of these years that we've been open and this year it was kind of uh 2021 put us over the top and really um i think the roaring 20s are here <laughs> yeah exactly and we, we we even uh we got caught right in the middle of a lease um to where we had to sign an extension for five more years in october of last year um so, nerve so of course to us it was very nerve-wracking we didn't know where the economy was going to be we didn't know if our restaurant was going to come back um, you know, overnight, we didn't really know, um, you know, what the future was. Um, uh, but we recently signed it just a few months ago for five more years. And that was, um, you know, that was the blessing that, you know, it, it really made us feel comfortable about the next five years, seeing how this year went, uh, and knowing that, well, if they're all like this, then, um, yeah, we're happy to be here. And, um, people are just happy to be out. I mean, just that, I feel like just don't know the energy now in the restaurant and even when we dine out at other restaurants i mean there's just an energy about it that i don't know it's just exciting to see people <laughs> and it might be that we hadn't seen or felt the energy in a while right. but no right exactly. it's, yeah it's 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 the the heat so to say the heat is back um and um that that's yeah that's something that's um yeah if you're in this industry uh it's it's what makes you keep going um the busier you get, the, the, the more we smile, the more we want it, which is uh, kind of, uh, yeah, it's a kind of an odd way to think about it. But the busier we get here, um, yeah, the bigger our smiles are. And we, we can see that, um, yeah, um, you know, it, we're finally looking at ourselves and saying, all right, we made it through a pandemic. Um, there were a few months there that, of course, we didn't want to use those words, but um by March and April, uh, the lights had been turned back on and um, 
it was kind of called, uh, all right, how do we figure this out? Uh, we're really busy and we've got to take care of a guest and cook good food. So, um, yeah, it's, um, feels good. Well, and, and I would think signing that five-year extension has got to feel good. It's, it's a little bit like, you know, so many restaurants kind of reach that point and, and decide like, you know, we had a good five years is a good run. We're going to pack it in. You, you sign that, that next five years. It's like, you're really on your way to kind of neighborhood institution status. Exactly. Yeah, I hope so. Um, we'd love to be here for, you know, 10 more. <laughs> exactly. And, and that was our goal when we built this to, you know, we want to be a 20, 25 year restaurant, um, even more if we can. We know of those around Houston there. There are a few of them that we can say are institutions that started a long time ago and they're still here doing the same thing that they started doing. So we look um, up to those restaurants. Yeah, sure. we love those restaurants. Um, we, we, we'd rather look at it from a long haul, you know, um, this is, um, this is a marathon, not a race. And that's kind of the approach we took to it. And, um, we're, we're, we're on it for the long run for sure. Well, and, and Addy, talk about that, that not a rebrand, I guess, but kind of an updating of your branding and your design language and, and, and maybe kind of what that's designed to, to accomplish and represent for you. So we, I don't know, we, we felt like our logo and who we were or who we are, um, again, has, has evolved in the, in the five years that we've been here. And I think we just wanted something a little cleaner, a little fresher. Um, we met some wonderful people who, uh, they own a branding agency, marketing, uh, Neater Creative, Joe Neater. And it just kind of, um, seemed like the right time to do this. We wanted to, you know, with coming back from the pandemic, we felt like it was a fresh start for a lot of people and for us. So we, we thought it was the perfect time to kind of just, again, update our website, um, update our menus, you know, now that the digital menus are kind of gone, (laughs) you know, it was nice to hold a piece of paper in your hand again. And um, I feel like there was a lot of that part of the brand that you know, kind of fell by the wayside during the pandemic. And it was just exciting to bring it back. Um, you know, even our cocktail napkins and coasters and things like that, just again, to elevate your experience when you come and dine at Relish. I think from the minute you look us up and look at our website, from the minute you leave here, you know, we want that to be an entire experience for you. So um, we we kind of updated all that and did some interior touches and things like that, just just to make it a little more special. Yeah. And then Dustin, are there any like new menu changes to go along with the updated uh, logo and branding? We did. So we've, um, we've, we have a lot of classic dishes that we know we rotate seasonally. And so um, we get in trouble every year, we take them off and, you know, we have to fight to get to the next menu Um, and they happen to be favorites. Um, Yes. And um, we, we've, we've switched that menu. And of course we're working we do a lot of new menu items, menu items, excuse me, on specials and for the evenings. Uh, and then we focus on giving back the guests, all those things that we took away from them last year. So, um, for yeah. instance, one thing that's been real big for us and we, we were uh, happy to put them on. We kind of fought that at the beginning, knowing what was around us. And, you know, oysters are everywhere, but we kept hearing the requests and, you know, really um listen to our guests. And uh, once we added the oysters, that's one thing that we are flying through, especially our broiled oysters, um, you know, that we do kind of Drago style. They've got that, you know, cream spinach and 
uh, we put them over flames. And so um, that's been a huge hit um, with the new menu change. And then, of course, uh, we bring back stuff like our butternut squash soup that we're known so well for. Uh, we just added a lobster roll um, that you got to come by and try sometime. Truly, you know, um, really, really focused on grabbing food, too, that was available. I'm sure you've heard it from other restaurants. We ran into beef and a certain products that just honestly weren't even profitable to have around anymore. Um, so we really focused on running in a seafood direction and uh, between the lobster roll, all the oysters, um, minus crab running out. We had a really good crab toast on the menu for the last um, last few weeks as we've launched this uh, next menu. But um, yeah, honestly, just a lot of classic old favorites that we used to do before. Um, our cavatelli with butternut squash and sausage, sage, tuberosa sauce, pumpkin seeds. That was one that, um, like I said, we get in trouble every year. We take it off. Um, a lot of regulars come in. They have their favorites, um, you know, and this change is hard. Um, but we we really focused on the brand, what we were doing up front, systems, uh, service, um, and really all of the old food that we kind of brought back. We've got a new few specials off the menu right now that, um, that yeah, well. been big big hits. Um, you know, we're we're slowly but surely going to tweak those and add them to our uh, dinner service. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of the old good stuff we used to have. So, you know, obviously five years in, lease renewed, proud of your team. I have to ask, like, do you, do you start thinking about adding a, another restaurant, another concept to, to what you're doing? Yeah, so we, we, we had one in the works. We worked, um, given the state of the market, there were a lot of buildings that came available. And so we had a lot of people banging on our door saying, hey, here's one and here's one. And we we know we wanted to expand on relish and we, our idea is to kind of move it out uh, into a different neighborhood and start the process um, first of next year to doing so. But we were, we were in the works of building an oyster cocktail bar uh, with a friend of mine, Freddie Jones, who's in New York. who um, has been a part of the scene. He kind of goes back and forth. Um, but we had some problems with the lease. It ended up falling through. And so we had that concept on the back burners and that's something that we're trying to dive into now finding the right space, finding the right um, location and, um, you know, really nailing the concept from uh, the conceptual design. That's one thing that we spent a lot of time working on. Uh, and of course, it's still there uh, waiting to go. But we're trying to locate the building for um, at the moment. And then, of course, trying to locate a building for that second relish out uh, kind of in that Woodway Memorial Tanglewood area. Um, that's 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 an area where we think that we could do well with uh, the style of food, uh, the neighborhood approach and, um, you know, that classic cuisine. Um, so uh, we are in the works of it now. We're going to sit tight for the rest of the this year and uh, next year should be a big year for us as far as um, at least solid solidifying one more concept, whether it's relish or our little cocktail oyster bar. Um, well, on, on behalf of my sister who lives in Briar Grove and all of her neighbors, uh, I think that the message from them would be very much bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, uh, I know that they would just be thrilled to have anything, anything like what you guys do uh, in their part of the world. And, and you know, of course, uh, you know, I, I get up to Maine every now and then. And uh, Eventide Oyster Company in Portland is one of my absolute favorite restaurants anywhere. And I keep just kind of waiting for somebody. Uh, you know, I, I see all these Houston chefs go up to Maine and they go to Eventide. And I, I keep waiting for somebody to just rip it off 
and do yeah. a Houston yeah. version with a huge selection of oysters, smart cocktails, small plates, right? Like they've got some Korean stuff, which I think in Houston, you would flip it around and do like a more, maybe more Vietnamese, you know, kind of in keeping with our palate or Mexican. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just waiting. Like somebody. Well, it's funny that, you know, we have a lot of to offer, but there's not anything like that here. I mean, it's, you know, there's some great oyster programs at some restaurants, including, you know, state of grace and the, you know, where they are obviously very heavy, but nothing really that is like that. Exactly. An oyster bar that truly um, is driven around <clears throat> a few dozen different oysters. And um, our goal was to take you around, you know, quite, quite, a, quite a few different places with plenty of different oysters. And so um, my buddy that I mentioned to you, Freddie Jones out of New York, he's running bar programs there and has done a great job with, uh, he was with Seth and Terrence and Open Pass and Provisions. You, you remember him, Tall. I, I, I do. A, a very entertaining uh, social media follow, yeah. at least for a little oh, while. Absolutely. Uh, he is a character. And it, he was the, the he was going to be our partner with it and really be the brains behind, like you said, smart cocktails, um, you know, um, good approachable bar program, great wines, things of that nature. So um, we're, we're really excited about that. That's something that um, hopefully can. Yes, hopefully it'll come, come together to at the first of next year. Uh, we can find the right space for it. Um, qu quite honestly, real estate is, is it, there was about three or four months there where they were giving it away. And now it is uh, just as high as it's ever been as far as sign signing a lease. Um, and so we wanted to let that kind of blow over, let all the new big groups come into town. We've heard a lot about, um, you know, the end of this year that we're opening and even the first of next know, year. It's been big. It's been big for Houston. And so we want to kind of let that settle down and then, um, you know, whatever happens um, for the right reasons, we're, we're going to sit back and kind of let it take place. Um, and it is, we, we'd be, we'd be crazy to try to do anything else right now. We're so busy at Relish and um, we, life in general. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we really want to focus on, you know, what we've already built and what we put so much time. And um, we mentioned San Felipe to here. It's been 10 years of, um, you know, building the relish brand and getting, getting it this far. And, um, you know, we, we, it was almost a blessing that we weren't pulled away from it. Uh, and we've had all of our attention here, uh, to keep it going and do it right. So, um. Well, absolutely. I, I will say that that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there something I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? No, I think that does it. It excites us to hear that everybody's busy. I know that, yeah. um, the industry went through uh, quite a, I mean, oh not just the industry, but everyone, yeah. but, you know, especially we just, we just feel for all the other industry folk and just happy that things seem to be exactly for everybody. Yeah. To, to see, um, e even though we all were cooking alongside each other and, um, you know, every, every restaurant's got to do their own to win the, you know, the war and uh, the competition of a customer, but um we're so thankful to drive around to restaurants that we know and uh, see. And um, there's not a one of them that we're um, not excited to see is rocking and doing well again. So um, we're just thankful to be a part of the group that's, you know, still here. And um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Dustin, I'll start with you. What is your favorite cookbook? Ooh, uh, I, it's not a cookbook. It's called The Flavor Bible. That's my favorite book. 
yeah, that helps me put food together. Yeah. Addie, how about you? Any barefoot contestant <laughs> yes. or, or yes. ad hoc is the real winner. Yeah. But I had to just say that because I love Ina. <laughs> <laughs> Addie, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? I want to say like Robert Alkeen or something in high school. In high school, yeah. <laughs> Dustin, how about you? Uh, I w- it would probably be something like that. Honestly, I think it was a friend of mine's band, um, same as Nick Sinkle. I don't even remember the name of it, but um, early high school, he tried to get on a stage and perform and we all went to it. So I do remember <laughs> it not being the best, but yeah, I think that was my first. All right, Dustin, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through There's too many. Too many. Uh, <laughs> So I, I would go, um, I would go Taco Bell and uh, McDonald's. Addie, how about you? Taco Bell, <laughs> I think. Yeah, Taco Bell. Crunchy tacos. Love it. Hot yes. sauce. Those Doritos yeah. tacos. <laughs> Addie, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? You can say JJ. I, I was probably JJ Watt, even though he's gone. I guess I don't. <laughs> no, know. no, that's not... that's why that's why it's past or present. It, it covers a lot of ground. Okay, Sorry. good. Yeah, JJ. Dustin, how about you? Uh, Hakeem, the dream. Absolutely. All right, and then Dustin. Finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, uh, what are your go-to toppings? Um, go-to toppings. I'm an onion. And sausage, yeah. All right. Onions and sausage. Addie, how about Classic you? Pepperoni with hot pepper, like, uh, you know, chili flakes. All right. Addie, give us the, the website and the social media and all that for Relish. RelishHouston.com. And our Instagram handle is RelishHouston. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess Facebook is the same. Or no, sorry. Relish Restaurant Bar. Very good. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, having thank you, us. Eric. Have a good one. Come see fun. us. Absolutely. Yeah. Cheers. Right. Have a good one. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.